Well, it's good to see all of you on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's uh, been a wonderful day. I was thinking of a little story that I heard one time about a little boy came to see his pastor one day. And the little fellow couldn't speak plain, but he, he said, Puicha, said, is it true that we came from dust? And the preacher said, well, yes, son, that's what the Bible says. He said, well, preacher, is it true that we return to dust? And the preacher said, yes, that's, that's what the Bible tells us. And he said, well, preacher, you better come to my house. He said, I looked under the bed and somebody's coming or going one. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know if I'm coming or going. I told Jonathan, uh, sitting there watching a, baseball game this afternoon and I woke up and I was watching soccer. So <laughs> felt pretty good to take a nap though. Take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to try to pick up where we left off this morning and share with you some of the things out of, out of the Word of God tonight. We appreciate you being here and appreciate your prayers and it's such a joy to serve the Lord among you people, and we just praise God for it. Would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we read from Acts chapter 1? I'm going to go back and pick up verse 5 again. I partly touched on it this morning. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of standing here with your word in front of us today. Thank you, Lord, that your word is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, we pray tonight that as we read and study your word and try to preach from it, that, Lord, that you would just be glorified and you'll be magnified, that you'd open hearts here tonight, Lord, and speak to people out of your word. Father, we pray that everything that is said and done will be done to glorify and honor you. Father, if there's one among us tonight or one that is listening at home that is lost, I pray that you will touch their heart with your Holy Spirit tonight, bringing conviction into their life and helping them to come to that place of repentance so that they can trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. May you be glorified in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated, please. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus was preaching and teaching things pertaining to the kingdom 
of God for about 40 days to his disciples. And I'd shared with you this morning that there was a promise of the one that would come to take his place here in this world. And then he said, John truly baptized with water. And we touched on that water baptism a little bit this morning. But he said, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now this is a new term for us tonight as we study this, that the Holy Spirit who is to come in His power and in His glory and is to begin to teach God's people, there's another aspect of His coming. We'll see this in chapter 2 where the baptism in the Holy Ghost really takes place there. But I just want to cut, point out a couple of things. He says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. The King James Version has that a little bit out of, uh, out of whack there. The word what, if you look in the, the Greek, you find it's the word in, not with. So that verse should read, John truly baptized in water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now somebody's going to say, well, what difference does that make? Well, not a whole lot, but yet it does make some difference. You see, there have been uh, several denominations in our world today that they have taken the word baptized and make it into something else. The word baptized, everywhere it is used in the Bible, means to be immersed. And there are those who sprinkle. There are those who uh, put a cloth on you, a wet cloth, I guess, and those kind of things. But we believe that baptism by, is by immersion in water. And also that it's in the Holy Spirit that we are baptized. Now, notice verse 6. He says, When you therefore were come together, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, I think sometimes people jump on that verse of Scripture, and sometimes people draw a, a wrong conclusion. You see, Jesus had been teaching them about things pertaining to the kingdom for 40 days. I think it's a very natural thing for them to ask. Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? The people in Jesus' day were looking for a, an earthly ruler to once again restore the kingdom of Israel back to its days like it was in the days of David and Solomon and the, some of the other good kings. They longed for that and they, they wanted to get free from the burden of being under the Roman tyranny. And it was a natural question for them to ask. But when Jesus was speaking about the kingdom of God, he wasn't necessarily talking about overthrowing the Roman government or something of that sort. But he was talking about the kingdom of God that dwells deep within God's people. And Jesus answers that question. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Do you realize that that question in sometimes different forms is being asked even to today? 
it's usually phrased something like this. When's the end going to come? Or when's Jesus going to come? Well, the answer to your question is we don't know. We can see the signs and we can read uh, the, the things along the, out of the Bible that we can see them happening today and we can say His coming is drawing near. But for us to pinpoint a day or a time, that's impossible for man because man doesn't know. That's left up in, into God's hands. As Jesus said there, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own power. But Jesus kind of switches the subject here in the next verse. He just used the word power there in His own power but you, you, each of you, you shall receive power. And that's the word authority. You will receive authority. When? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, the Holy Ghost hadn't come yet because Jesus was still here. That's one of the things that Jesus told them to wait upon. Wait before you go out to try to witness. Wait before you go out to try to be my disciples out in this world. Wait until you are endued with the power from on high. And he says, you shall receive power. I guess verse 8 is the most famous verse of Scripture in perhaps the Bible, and I know it's the most famous verse of Scripture in the book of Acts. It's quoted quite often. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. What's that power for? To witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The word witness there is the same word that we get our word martyr from. And in the day that Jesus was speaking to his disciples, for them to be a witness for him, they actually laid their life on the line. We've been very fortunate here in the United States, and I think we've become very lax in the fact that we're not under too much of a threat of our life if we tell someone about Jesus Christ. But there are places in this world where that would happen. The Muslim world, for instance. That if you are sharing Jesus with someone in that country, that's a capital offense. You could be killed for that. The same way in some of the other religions, Hinduism and those kind of things, they just don't allow that. I was listening to a missionary on TV the other night, and I don't remember his name, but he was talking about serving in some of the Muslim countries. And he, he told about going into a village. And he saw the village chief there, the imam, I guess you'd call him. And he got acquainted with him and was asking permission to work among his people. And he said, when I was asking him that, he said, the Holy Spirit just told me, kneel and pray. And he said, I, I stuttered for just a minute. And, and the Holy Spirit said again, kneel and pray. So he said, I just knelt and began to pray. And he said, when I stood up, he said, the man said, you respect God like I respect God. 
do whatever you wish. God worked that out. God did that. Now here, he says, you'll receive power, the authority. To witness, you shall be witnesses. Unto who? Unto me. Get this. The Holy Spirit of God fills God's people in order for them to witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't fill us for us to talk about the ball game. He doesn't fill us to talk about the beautiful church building. He doesn't fill us to talk about this thing and that thing. But he does fill us with his Holy Spirit when we talked about Jesus Christ. We're to be a witness for him. Someone who knows him personally. Someone who is willing to lay their life out on the line to share Jesus with someone else. And like I say, we, we don't have to worry too much about that. But the time may come here in the United States when that might be a problem. As a matter of fact, our, our religious freedoms is being snipped here and snipped there and we're being told to keep quiet here and to keep quiet there. And one by one, we're losing some of those freedoms that we've had, freedoms that we have enjoyed, freedoms that our, heaven, our, our forefathers suffered and died for. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. That word shall means it, it, it will happen. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it will happen that you will be a witness. I think back into the early days of my Christian life. I was working in a grocery store and there was a lady came in the store there one day. She was a, a young lady then. She's not so young anymore. But she's still around and I, I still see her from time to time. Her name is Lola Cassidy. Lola sung with the gospel trio in Sweetwater, and they traveled all over the country singing. But I was working in that grocery store. I was running the cash register, and she was over in the produce department. And Mr. Shanks, the owner of the store, he was in the produce department. And they, they got to testifying to each other about the Lord. They both loved the Lord. And I'm telling you, Lola was just really preaching there that day. People just stopped and listened. I stopped and listened. It had a great impact on my life. I never did tell her that until here, I don't know, three or four years ago. I was asked to preach at a homecoming at a church in Madisonville. And she was there that morning and she sang. And I got to share with her before the whole congregation that day what her testimony had meant to me as a young Christian, as, and her boldness to just stand there in public and witness and uh, glorify the name of Jesus. She's just a spirit-filled woman. She still is. Every time I see her, I get blessed by just being around her. You shall be witnesses unto me. Where? Now notice, there, he uses both and. Both in Jerusalem. This is where they're at. This is where they're supposed to stay for a while. 
in Jerusalem. This is where they were to begin their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin it there in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Judea is the surrounding country around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is right in the center of Judea. And in Samaria. Samaria is that place that uh, many Jews wouldn't travel through. It was the place where the Samaritan people lived that were half Jew and half Gentile. The Jews had nothing much to do with them. That was the place that Jesus went through. The Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. That's where he met the woman at the well and shared Jesus with her. And now his disciples are getting the commission. You're to go into Samaria. Go into that place that you don't think too well of those people. Go into that place that you've shunned most of your life and have rarely been through it. And, you know, we have those places in our communities too. Those places that it's hard to go in. Those places that that we may be afraid that we'll get hurt if we go into places like that. But yet we have the commission to go. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now this is the way, this plan that Jesus set out right here is exactly how it unfolds as we go through the book of Acts. They start out here in Jerusalem. Most of their time and all their activities is right around Jerusalem for the first few chapters. It's all about being around Jerusalem. They didn't even go back to Galilee. They stayed in Jerusalem. And then Philip, he goes down to Samaria. He preaches the gospel down there. Have a great revival there. Many souls trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then Paul begins to take the message out into the uttermost part of the world. And you just see the the gospel spreading that way. And God expects you and I not to start in the uttermost part of the world and witness our way back home, but He expects us to start where we're at. Right here, where we're at, and work our way out. You might try knocking on every door on your street and witnessing to every person that will allow you to witness to them. You might try taking in your whole block. I was so saddened this morning as I turned the corner down here and drove up and saw that house that had burned. And I said to Francis, I, I never did see anyone there. I don't know who lived there. And in my heart, the Lord was saying to me, you never did knock on that door. Mm. And that's true. I never did. But that man perished in that fire. I don't know who he was. Somebody said his name was Paul. I pray he was saved, but it's too late now. But we've got people all around us that the Lord has placed us, you and I, in the position to be witnesses to Him. That's our purpose in staying here in this world, is to be a witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to start where we're at and begin to spread out and and move out into different circles and, and to keep going as long as the Lord allows us to go. I found this. I'll just tell you this. 
we went to Nicaragua a few years ago, a group of us. And one day I was, I was teamed up with a, a deacon from my home church. And we went out witnessing. He'd been working on a building, doing some carpenter work. And we went out that day and started sharing Jesus with people. And we saw two or three people get saved. And he said to me, you know, this is fun. And I said, well, when we get back home, I'll be happy to take you there too. That never happened. <laughs> you see, there's people that'll take a mission trip and go out and witness to people. But they won't do it in their own home, in their own back door. There's something, I, I don't know, I guess it's just Satan that gets a hold on us and, and we're afraid to go next door. We forget all about our neighbors and we don't know who they are and, and all this kind of stuff. But yet, God has put us there to be a witness. Verse 9 says, and when he had spoken these things, this is the fifth time that Jesus has given his great commission. He said it in different words and at different places, but it all had the same message, that he's depending on us to be his witnesses, his martyrs, if you will. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, while these disciples, and, and uh, one, one Bible writer says that there were probably 500 people on that mountain that day. It's the Mount of Olivet. We can see that in verse 12 where they travel back from the Mount of Olivet to Jerusalem. When he's spoken these things, they beheld. He was taken up. I think the idea is that Jesus just began to rise from the earth. And the Bible says he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And the word that is translated cloud there, it's the same word that is translated glory over in John chapter 1 and verse 14 where it says, And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We see this cloud in the Old Testament as it hovered over the tabernacle. It was the presence of God. It's called the Shekinah glory, God's presence. And it's this cloud not just any old cloud, but the Shekinah glory of God received Jesus out of their sight. And look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, they're just standing there gazing. You and I would have been too if we'd have been there. It was a sight to see. I remember in the early days of our space travel, when they'd shoot off one of those rockets down there in, in Florida, it got TV coverage. And you could just sit there on your uh, couch and watch on that TV as that rocket rose higher and higher and higher, and finally it got plumb out of sight. Well, Jesus wasn't on a rocket. He was on a cloud. 
and he's just rising out of sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, notice something happens here. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I think these are two angels. These two men dressed in white. I imagine their, their white robes glistened in the light there that day. But they've come with a message. This is their message they said to them. You men of Galilee. Why'd they call them the men of Galilee? They're here in Jerusalem because they're from Galilee. Most of them are. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? That's a question. Why are you just standing there gazing up into heaven? And then they, they share something with them. This same Jesus, I want you to get that little word same. This very same Jesus. Not one like him. Not some imitation. But this same Jesus. Which is taken up from you into heaven. Shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You remember back in John chapter 14. I, I think I quoted it this morning. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He didn't say, I'll send someone for you. He said, I will come again. That's emphatic in the Scripture. There's those that teach that the Lord's going to send His angel after His people. Well, His angels will have a part in it, but He Himself is coming. And that's what the, the men here are telling His disciples. This same Jesus, this blood and flesh Jesus that you see who is taking up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner in the very same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Now my pastor up in New Tassel, he, he kind of wanted to be funny when he was preaching about Jesus, and he'd say he may come back in a, a purple 747. Well, I said if he does, it'll be sitting on that cloud because Jesus said he's coming in the same manner, and he went up in the cloud. But you see, he's coming back. He not only died for us on the cross, He not only paid our sin debt, but He's gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. And when He gets that place prepared, He's going to come back for us one day. He comes sometimes individually for people, but He's coming back after the whole bunch one of these days. When the Bible talks about that the graves will burst open and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody's going to say, well, what's so important about him coming in the clouds. It's just the way the Bible says he'll come. 
And God always goes by his word. What's written there, God will do. and it'll, it'll happen just like that. We better be prepared to meet him. We don't know when he's coming back. But more than that, we need to be asking the Lord to fill us with his spirit and to use us as his witnesses here in Etowah and in McMinn County and in Tennessee and in the United States and out in the whole world. What a wonderful time it is in our world today. Do you know these people moving into Etowah every week? God send them here from faraway places. I don't know why. But He is. And God's put them here for us to minister to. For us to share Jesus with them. Uh, for us to help them to come to know Him as their personal Savior. And He didn't say, sit and wait for them to come. He told us to go out where they're at. It's our responsibility as the children of God to be His witness. A witness is someone who is sworn to tell the truth. And when we talk about Jesus, we can speak about the way, the truth, and the life. We can speak about no man can come to the Father except through Him. We can speak that with authority because it's said in the Word of God. And we can stand on that authority. People may argue with it. They may not want to accept it. They may have figured out some other way according to them, their own way of thinking that they can get to heaven. And that's been happening for centuries too. All the different religions that you find in the world, it's just some other person's way of trying to get to heaven. They think they have it figured out. But most of them leave Jesus out of the equation. But Jesus is the only reason for any of us to go to heaven. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And no man, no woman, no boy, no girl can come to him, come to the Father except through Jesus. Those are his words. They're not my words, but they're true words. And oh, what joyous words it is that there's a way to heaven and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Do you know him tonight as your Lord and Savior? If not, we want to have an invitation time tonight for you to respond to what God's saying to your heart. Maybe you're, you need to be saved. Well, we'll invite you to come tonight. You might need to recommit your life and come and ask the Lord to, to use you as a witness and fill you with his spirit. Whatever God's speaking to your heart about, that's what he wants to do in your life. Let's stand and bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we just want to praise you and honor you and adore you, that you are God and beside you there is none else. Lord, you've left us here to be your witnesses. And sometimes we're sorry witnesses, Lord. Sometimes we try to do it in our own power and we falter and we fail. But Lord, help us to remember that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us to be a witness. 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come tonight to ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit and use us, O oh Lord, to be the witnesses that you would have us to be. As we go out into the world this week, Lord, to the grocery stores or to our jobs or our schools or wherever we might go, that we might share Jesus with those that we come in contact with. I pray that you'll make us aware whenever we're in the presence of someone who needs Jesus. Help us to be alert. And Lord, always willing to speak for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.